Turn with me to our text, please, this evening. In uh, Psalm 115. Anybody ready for some more? Tonight? Psalm 115. How many have not been able to be with us? This is your first night tonight. Would you lift up your hand? Let me see. Okay. A number. We're flat increasing around here. I tell you, more ways than one. You know, it's not just about the money. It's prosperity of soul. Amen. It's freedom on the inside. Being rich on the inside. Being loosed. From bondage and pressure. Amen. Having the means and ability to serve God and bless people. That's freedom, isn't it? Is that the will of God for everybody? Is it God's will for anybody to be poverty stricken and broke, hurting? Is it God's will for anybody to be that way? No, it is not. I said, no, it is not. But you have to hear his word, and you have to not just be a hearer, but you have to be a doer of his word to get results and to come out. In Psalm 115, we've been reading it again and again, but I tell you, it's good. Never gets old. Psalm 115, if you'd turn there, and we'll begin reading in the 12th verse. Psalm 115, 12 says, The Lord... Has been mindful of us. Sometimes you know people sing songs that are unscriptural. Don't forget me precious Jesus. People sing. He's not going to forget you. He said I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Right? He's been mindful of us. Hadn't forgot about us. What's he been thinking about though? Concerning us. He will bless us. He'll bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless them that fear the Lord. Both small and great. The Lord. Shall increase you. More and more. You and your children. You're blessed of the Lord. Which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Read that 14th verse again. Let's just read it out loud. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Does that belong to you? Is the word of God, God speaking to you? Amen. So put you in there. Make it personal. Say it like this. Let's read it together. The Lord shall increase me more and more, me and my children. Let's say it two more times at least. The Lord shall increase me more and more, me and my children. One more time. The Lord shall increase me. More and more, me and my children. Amen. Somebody say, I believe it. That's what's happening with me. Amen. We're coming up. We're not going down and we're not staying where we are. We're coming up. 
You say, well, yeah, but now, brother, that just means spiritually. That said who? Who said that? That's you adding to the scriptures, putting your own interpretation on things. It means every way. Amen? Every way. God is the God of increase, not decrease and not the God of status quo. It's not his will for you to go down. It's not his perfect will for you to stay where you are. It's his will for us to go up and to increase. Now, originally when I, you know, got it on my heart to have this meeting, this is our first extended meeting as a church here at Faith Life Church. And the thing I had on my heart is that as a church, we would feed our faith and feed our vision in this area. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And you can't have faith for healing unless you hear the word about healing. You can't have faith about being led or being protected of God or any of these things unless you hear about it. Not just that you have heard years ago, but you need to hear about it again. But we were going to feed on the word and and feed our faith for prosperity as a church and as individuals. And uh, I began to share on Sunday night how that Phyllis and I, even after being in the ministry for a few years, were still just struggling financially. Just, I mean, I'd graduated from Bible school. I'm preaching. I could quote all kinds of scriptures on prosperity, but just struggling just, you know, got behind eventually on the bills, got behind on my taxes, got behind and, and just, you know, simple things that you ought to be able to do, not didn't have the money to do it, sit in services and want to give and just couldn't, just didn't have it. And uh, I got to the place where I got fed up with living like that. You know, whatever you'll put up with, that's what you're going to have. If you'll tolerate being sick, you're going to stay sick. If you'll tolerate being broke, you're going to stay broke. But neither one of them is the will of God. That was weak, guys. I said, neither one of them is the will of God. Somebody said, well, y'all are just that health and wealth gospel bunch. Well, what kind of gospel you want? Huh? The word gospel means good news. Whoever heard of a sickness and poverty gospel? Is that good news? Huh? Yeah, God wants you sick. Ain't that good news? Yeah, God wants you broke. Ain't that good news? No, the Bible specifically mentions Jesus in Luke 4, quoting from Isaiah. He sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, what would good news be to the poor? Ain't got to stay Poor no more. Right? What's good news to the sick? You can be healed. Amen. Good news to the bound. You can get free. Oh, hallelujah. Good news. Somebody say good news. Good news. We got good news. You know, with a lot of ministers and ministries and and outreach, it's not the gospel that's been preached. It's men's ideas. It's condemnation. It's guilt and shame. and hmm? Good news is what we ought to be telling folks. Good news. Jesus already paid the price for all your sins. Good news. God's not against you. He loves you. Good news. He'll help you pay your bills. 
Good news. He'll help you put your marriage back together and straighten you out. Good news. He'll heal your body. Good news. Somebody look at somebody and say, good news. Good news. <laughs> good news. And uh, I said, I, I got fed up with being broke all the time. I had struggled with poverty all my life. You know, you make it by some way, somehow, scrape by, rake by, but subsist, not flourish, not not have plenty, barely have enough, a lot of times didn't have enough. And one day, I, it, it just got so strong in me, I went in, fell across the bed, uh, and just wept before the Lord, and I said, Lord... This is not right. And I know it's not you doing it to me. I know this is not your will for us to live like this. Have mercy on me. Help me. I, I thought I knew some scriptures, but apparently I don't, there's a lot I don't know. Have mercy on me. Show me what I don't, what I'm not seeing, uh, what I've let slip. Remind me. If you can hook me up with any people or any materials, have mercy on me and lead me out of this. And he knew I was sincere. And the Bible says when you cry and call on him with all your heart, he will hear you and he will answer you. And he did. Now, I didn't see much that particular afternoon when I was praying, but I believed he heard me and I was expecting him to help me. And right after that, he began to teach me. And it seemed like for five years, almost every day, he was teaching me about what I needed to change and what needed to happen and what needed to stop. And he was teaching me about prosperity. And so we begin on Sunday night, me endeavoring to share with you in a condensed fashion from five years what the Lord taught me, and it actually boils down to five major areas that he dealt with me about. The first thing the Lord said to me is that, he said, Keith, you must overcome selfishness. You must honor me and put me first. And uh, a lot of folk talk about that, but are not really doing it. And we talked about tithing. And we talked about, uh, you know, last night we talked about getting your business in shape where you can give. And where you can, I mean, the time to put God first is not after you've borrowed and you're up to your eyes. It's before you sign the line. And the Lord, we, we talked about that last night, but the Lord helped us get out of some debt and get, get things better shape. And now, before we go into, would, would think about going into debt or before we would think about obligations, we look and say, now hold on. If I do this, is that going to affect my giving? Is that, uh, can I give like I feel like I'm supposed to? And so many times you have to say, no, I can't do that right now. Cause that would affect my giving. Hmm? Now, I know this is not a priority to a lot of people, but if you want God's full blessing on your life, amen, if you want him to be able to do the big stuff for you, you got to get more interested in your sowing than in what you want. Amen. And when you get understanding of this, like we talked about last night, it's not you don't have to be sad or depressed over it when you're saying you're not getting that right now. doesn't mean you're not going to get it. You'll get three later on if you want to. Amen. And they'll be newer and improved. So we talked about that. Secondly, the Lord dealt with me, dealt with us. You must overcome stinginess. Proverbs said, the liberal soul, the generous soul, will be made fat or rich. One translation said. We talked about sowing. If you sow sparingly, how do you reap? 
If you sow bountifully, generously, how do you reap? If you give in fives, how does it come back? Multiplied fives. Right? Jesus said, for with the same measure you meet, that's how to be measured back to you. People are trying to sow in dollars and fives and trying to reap in multiplied thousands. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. If you want to reap multiplied thousands, then you've got to sow thousands. Amen. 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 What if you sow in tens of thousands? Comes back multiplied tens of thousands. What if you sow in hundreds of thousands? Comes back multiplied hundreds of thousands. What if you sow in millions? I know some people who do. And they are blessed beyond most folks' imagination. Amen? And sometimes people will see some things that some folk have and they think, ah, that's just too much. What, don't judge how people are living and you don't even know what they've sown. Hmm? When you sow big, you're going to reap big. You're supposed to. Something would be wrong if you weren't. Right? Sow liberally, sow bountifully, and that's how you're going to reap liberally and bountifully. Then thirdly, we talked about this last night, right? Another major law of increase, law, principle of prosperity, the Lord dealt with me about stewardship. You know, the scripture said, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Be, be uh, attentive and watchful to know the condition of your stuff. And we talked about how so many people just try to fly by the seat of their pants and, and they just borrow everything and spend everything and then just try to say, well, we're just going to believe it'll all work out somehow. No, you're being foolish. And you've got to be, in order to be, uh, become wealthy, the scripture says there's a direct link between wisdom and wealth. Amen. Amen. And you can get to tithing. And you can get to sowing. And you'll have more come in. It'll be multiplied. But just because you have more coming in. Does not mean you'll automatically be prosperous. You can have a bunch of money today. And make some dumb decisions. For the end of the week. Right? And be in worse shape than you were before you started. And, and we need to make investments. In the spiritual and in the natural. And the Lord knows what's going to go and what's not. He knows the future. And he lives inside of you. He's your counselor. And if you'll put your flesh under and follow him, he'll lead you right every time. We told the story about a, how a man that we, we know. How that he took uh, uh, some tapes uh, on how to be led by the Spirit. And he just listened to them night and day and turned $50 into $200 million in just a matter of years. Wow. Started with $50. Amen. I know of a situation where fellow, and people, sometimes people say, well, now, you know, they ought not go overseas and preach that prosperity message to those poor people. And it's not like it is in America. Now listen to me. The Word of God, if it's really the Word of God, has to work everywhere. Amen. It's got nothing to do with governments and economies. And I know a situation where a man got a hold of this. And he was in India in abject poverty. But he, he had a, a business where he sold 
this grass that they made their sleeping mats out of. He'd go door to door and hauling a bundle of this grass under his arm. And it's because, you know, this grass would wear out and they have to have new grass to make them a mat to sleep on. He got a hold of tithing and sowing and reaping. And he began to take a tithe of his grass to his pastor. Amen. And the Lord would bless him, and he began to come up, and he brought his brought his minister a chicken. That was big stuff for him. Amen. In a matter of five years, he has an international uh, oriental rug export business. He's wealthy. Don't tell me this won't work. Anywhere for anybody. Amen. We've seen it in other parts of the world where somebody, you know, there's nothing around but just, just huts. And somebody began to, to, to sew. All they had was, the best thing they had was a metal button. Put it in the offering. So they had some colored stones. Most precious thing they had. They begin to sow and begin to believe God and begin to release their faith. Next thing you know, they got an old bicycle. Everybody else is walking. They're riding a bicycle. Next thing you know, they got a tin roof on their house. Big stuff. Everybody else got a grass roof. I mean, that's like being a multimillionaire in the neighborhood. You understand? Next thing you know, got a scooter. I mean, the kids would come out when you crank it up just to watch it. Amen. Next thing you know, had a car. Oh, glory to God. It was older. It had a bunch of miles on it. It smoked. But I'm telling you what everybody else thought. It was a jet airplane. Everything's relative to where you are. But if you'll start where you are Believe in God and tithing and sowing and stay obeying Him. You won't stay there. Amen. He will increase you more and more. He will bring you up, 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 up. Amen. Amen. And others will see that you do see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. Let's go on tonight to number four. Are you ready? Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, please. The first chapter. And let's talk about number four, which actually has two components to it, but they overlap. All these have some overlap to them. Isaiah chapter one. The things the Lord was dealing with me about that I had to make adjustments in, that I had to change. And this fourth one is this. I call it the law of obedience and the law of diligence. You can link them together if you like. The law of obedience and diligence. But the Bible is very specific. I mean, there must be, I got a dozen scriptures right here that specifically link obedience and wealth. And diligence and wealth. Everybody say obedient Obedient. and rich. rich. Diligent Diligent. and rich. rich. Now see we talked about tithing 
And we talked about sowing and giving. And like I said before we started last night, we'd been pretty much just emphasizing the spiritual side, though it has physical expression, the spiritual side of the issue. But how many understand there's very much a natural side to prosperity? If you're going to prosper in this natural realm, there's definitely a natural side. And it's not just all up to God. There's a Godward side and there's a manward side. Amen. 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 You can't do his part. He won't do yours. Right? And so in talking about the natural side, we began last night talking about the natural side of this thing. Sometimes people leave the impression, even preachers, you know, well, all it is to prosper is giving. If you'll just give, you'll prosper. That's not true. There's more to it than that. Well, I mean, we spent all last night talking about how you could give and tithe and have more coming in and still be broke, be in more debt than you ever were. Right? There's more to prosperity than just giving. It is a part, but there's more to it than that. And last night we talked about stewardship. We talked about the wisdom of God. God is smart. He's so wise. If you'll follow him, he will set you up for some good stuff. But you've got to learn a simple two-letter word concerning your flesh. N O. No, because <laughs> your flesh will want to do some stuff and it'll want to do things impulsively. And if you, if you just let your flesh lead you around and not listen to your spirit, actually covetousness will blind you to the leadings of the Lord. I, I've seen business people, good people love the Lord, but they got dollar signs in their eyes. You know what I mean by that? They just, oh man, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. This is going to make us. This is going to make us. And get dollar signs in their eyes and couldn't even hear what the Lord's saying. Didn't want to hear. If they'd have got quiet and spent some time praying, the Lord would say, leave it alone. No, don't go that way. Yeah, but it looks so good. Yeah, but don't walk by sight. Hmm? When you're walking by faith, there'll be things that look like you'd lose your money for sure. And the Lord said, do it. And there'll be things that look like you'd make a ton. And the Lord said, no. Hmm? If you've learned to follow the leading of the Spirit. And I've seen individuals, bless their heart, they, you know, they just good people, but they got dollar signs in their eyes and their covetousness blinded them. They're trying to tell me about all this deal. Oh man, this is going to be it. We're going to make all this money. We're going to give it to the kingdom of God. And while they're saying it, I'm thinking, mm-mm, I don't think so. I mean, why didn't you tell them? They didn't want to hear it. I could tell they, they didn't want to hear it. You, you can't always tell people everything. You can only tell people what they're ready to receive. And sure enough, it, it went sour and it went bad. I, I don't mean I've seen this one time. I've seen this. Phyllis and I have seen this scores of times. And it's sad. Because what's happening is the enemy is stealing money that should be going into people's families and into the kingdom of God and into good things. An answer to a thousand and one questions is, be led. Hmm? Do I do it? Do I don't? Be led. Well, I'm not sure. Well, then you don't do it yet. You get somewhere and get quiet and pray. Amen. And seek God. Miss a meal if you need to. 
Get quiet and be objective in your spirit. Be willing to hear a no. Even if you think you want to do it, be willing to hear something different than what you're primed to do. And be led not by your emotions, not by your feelings, not by somebody's hard sale or sob story or impressive spreadsheets. Be led by the witness of the Spirit of God on the inside. Amen. Amen. Now you won't learn all about that overnight, but you'll never learn unless you apply yourself and unless you make an effort to and start. Law four in the laws of increase, the law of obedience and diligence. Isaiah, the first chapter and the 19th verse. Anybody got this one marked? Isaiah one and 19. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Don't let this just go past you now. Who's talking here? Is this the Lord? Is he talking to you? Does this belong to you? He told you, if you do this, He's going to see to it that this happens to you. This is a law. Didn't say it happens once in a while for some people. This is a law. You do A and you get B. Right? What is A? Willing and obedient. And if you do that, what happens? Just as sure as God's sitting on the throne and the word is true, what's going to happen? You are going to ride in wore out cars. Huh? Wear old threadbare clothes. Huh? Hmm? Get the substandard stuff. What is the good of the land? What is the good of the... The good of the land is the top stuff. Isn't it? Other translations bring out that it means the fat, which means the select, means the best of the best. The cream of the crop. Huh? The top of the top. The best. Is the best for you or is it for somebody else? Huh? The, the, the expensive car. Is that for you? There's a reason why I'm taking some time on this now. Yeah, but that car's got a big sticker on it. That number runs all the way across the bottom. (laughs) That car's for somebody else. That car ain't for you. Hmm? See, y'all don't even feel like arguing with me about it. (laughs) That's sad, guys. Huh? The expensive clothes. You know they make some expensive clothes. Hmm? And all the men said, Amen. (laughs) I'm so glad Phyllis and I learned how to believe God. It would have cost me a fortune. (laughs) The stuff that's hanging in her closet. I've given her some things, but most of the stuff in her closet I didn't pay for, nor did she. And I guess it'd be scores of thousands. I don't know how much money would be in there. We've got <laughs> fur coats in there. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, look at that. That preacher wearing a fur coat. 
Didn't pay a dime for it. Not one red penny. It was given to us. Yes, she's got three, she corrected me. Three fur coats. How much do you pay for the combined three? Zero. Boy, this last one, I mean, it's, it's a happening coat. It's a black mink. And it's got this, I don't know how they, they fixed it in the back where it's got this design in it. And boy, I mean, it just shimmers when, you, when she walks in it. Somebody said, you ought not tell all that, Brother Keith. People won't give in the offering. Well, I didn't ask you to give anything to start with. You heard me when we started with this. If you don't, somebody else will. And if you were supposed to, they'll get your blessing. I'll believe God and give some more and get your blessing. I'll take it. You do understand God could pay for this thing with one person. You understand that? I said, why don't he? He hasn't wanted to do it just like that. It's not just a matter of the money coming in. People need to sow. People need to learn how to use their faith. And not only that, as it comes in, you have a part of it. We, one of these days soon, we all going to stand up and shout. It's all going to be paid for. And you had a vital part in it. And you get the reward. Not just the, the harvest now. You get eternal reward. This stuff will never be forgotten. I think sometimes we forget about that, but this kind of everything you do to help any legitimate church, any legitimate ministry, any legitimate real child of God will never be forgotten by God. You will have eternal reward 500,000 and 90 million years from now. People will know about it. eternal reward and they think we're dumb for giving what was I talking about before I got off into all that you you remember that I was talking about fur coats you remember that now let me just uh, let me touch on this I'm going to warn you how many are serious about this Prosperity stuff. Are you serious? You're not just listening, letting this go in one ear and out the other. You you have made commitments during this meeting. You have set your heart. You're you're going to do certain things, and you're going to believe God, and you're going to walk this out. Then I'm going to tell you by the word of the Lord, you are going to be blessed. You're going to be prosperous. Amen. By the by, by the Bible and by the word of the Lord tonight, you are going. To have some wealth and some stuff. And not everybody's going to be happy about it. You're going to be persecuted for it. I said, don't say that over me, Brother Keith. It's a fact of the word. This code I'm telling you about, Phyllis had just got it. This, this 
woman came to her one day and, and Phyllis had, had blessed her life and been a real friend to her for years and years and just prayed for her and stood with her. And this woman said, the Lord dealt with me to buy you a coat. And I mean a coat. Yeah, she gave four away, four fur coats away over the years before this one came in. She, she sewed and gave to other ladies four different fur coats over the years. Well, this lady and her, they had a big time that day. I don't know what all shops they went to, but they found a Jim Dandy coat and got a deal on it. Didn't I mean saved a bunch of money on it? That's just like God, isn't it? And so we, one of the first trips we went to, we went up north and it was snow everywhere and we went in our own airplane and, uh, and, and landed. Of course, I, I think they thought that, uh, Phyllis was the big shot. She she just in the back with the fur coat on, and I'm up front driving, you know. <laughs> and we'd pull up and throw the door open, and she'd come out, you know, in the coat. And <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, these people tried to stick us. On uh, charges, they really tried to stick it to us. I mean, they really—they uh, tried to overcharge us on fuel, gas. They tried to overcharge us on our hangar and ramp fees. I mean, tremendously so. Well, uh, we talked about this the other night. I mean, I don't mind paying for stuff, and I don't mind paying people good, but I am not okay with wasting the Lord's money. People just trying to stick you and stuff like that. And and so Phyllis tried to talk to me. I said, now hold on, this this don't even sound right. I mean, what about this? And she, it was cold, there's snow on the ground. And she's standing there in her coat. And this lady got so mad, she said, what's wrong? You spend too much on that coat? You can't pay for this? <laughs> the blessing's going to come on you. But I'm just trying to forewarn you. If you really go this way, you will be a blessing. You'll be blessed. But not everybody's going to be happy about it. You know, people will be envious and they'll talk. And, and finally, you know, Phyllis said no. She looked at her. She said, you know, that wasn't very nice. I said, she said, you didn't know it and it's none of your business. But a good friend of mine gave me this coat. I didn't spend as much for mine as you did for yours. Amen. And I don't know how come me to tell all of that. She apologized. She did. I, I think the Lord came on her. She kind of teared up a little bit and said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, you know, people don't know that they look at some stuff. I mean, Phyllis drives a nice car. She has nice clothes. But they don't know what kind of person is. I've been walking with Phyllis through the airport, and she'd pull off her earrings and pull off her jewelry and give it to somebody behind the counter she didn't even know. She's pulled off jewelry for years and given it to people and, and, and clothes and f four fur coats she's given away over the years. So you don't judge somebody's harvest and you don't know what they sowed. Right? Besides that's none of your business anyway. Right? Absolutely none of your business. What somebody, I, you got a full-time job taking care of yourself. Seeing to it that you're sowing like you're supposed to be sowing. Doing what you're doing. And you just mark it down. Somebody that's finding fault with somebody else's life, they are not taking care of their own. Every time it's that way. Hypocrites. 
If you be willing and obedient, what's going to happen? You will wear the good stuff. You will eat the good stuff. You will drive the good stuff. <laughs> Somebody ought to get happy in here tonight. You, you will live in the big house. Ah, you will get the car with all the stuff on it. All the stuff. Every bell, every whistle, every option. Amen. You'll ride first class. I said it just costs so much money. Yeah, but when you got so much, it ain't as big of a deal. And somebody needs to sit up in first class and witness to them people. We need somebody riding in first class besides sinners. Some Christians, at least some, need to go to the expensive hotels and eat in the expensive restaurants and be a witness there. God needs witnesses everywhere. How many will volunteer to be a witness at the expensive place? If you will be what? Willing Willing and obedient. You will eat the good of the land. Now, let me read some more to you. In fact, you want to just uh, go with me. Go to Job. You're close by there. Go to the book of Job. Go to Job 36 real quickly. I am not ashamed of our prosperity. I am not going to try to hide from you what God has done for us and is doing in our life. Amen. I'm not going to pour mouth. I've actually heard junk like this. Preachers supposed to be in a meeting. And one of them is getting ready to go up on the platform, sit up there. Of course, they're higher up and the people could see them. And one of them said, you can wear them new shoes out there. We're supposed to be taking up an offering for you tonight. He said, well, you ought to wear some old ones. And then when you cross your, you know, you cross your legs, then you can kind of hold that out where you can see that sole's got a, got a hole in it there. And we want to, you know, don't drive your new car up here tonight. That's dishonesty. Ain't nothing else you can make out of that. Trying to leave an impression and trying to play on people's emotions. None of that is faith. None of that is God. None of that is integrity. Hmm? No. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You're not going to do that. Right? You're never going to try to pull on somebody's uh, heartstrings to get to give you anything. Whether it's a job or a sale or you're not going to lie to sell a thing. Hmm? That's too weak, guys. I said, you will not tell a lie to sell a thing. If it costs you the deal, if it costs you the sale, you're going to tell the truth. You're not going to be ashamed of the gospel. You're not going to be ashamed of your prosperity. And if you do lose something, you lose a sale, God will bring you three more right behind it. He'll make it up. Amen. Because you live by faith. I think you actually believe this. 
Amen. Job 36. Are you there? Job 36 and 11. 36, 11 says, If they obey and serve him, is that you? Obeying and serving him, they will spend their days in the poorhouse. Huh? In the projects. In the old efficiency apartment with this green shag carpet. I used to live there. <laughs> but them days are gone forever. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, oh, brother, you, you better watch it. You better watch it. You just never know. You just never know. I know that God does what he says. Amen. And he said he's increasing us. Not decreasing. I never have to live in fear that I might get back where I used to be. I don't have to do that. I can just go ahead and breathe a sigh of relief and relax and go, my broke days are gone forever. I'll never be broke again. Amen. <laughs> we're, just, we're just going up from here because God's a good God. If you obey Him, if you serve Him, what's going to happen? You will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. Oh, this is Bible too. If they obey not, they'll perish by the sword, die without knowledge. Now, we didn't read it. I should, I should have re- read the rest of it to you there in Isaiah. Isaiah 1 said, 19, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. very next verse says, if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. Can you disobey God, buck against Him, rebel against His plan for your life, and make confessions and prosper anyway? No. Doesn't work that way. That's what, that's what we're talking about. It's more to prosperity than giving. You know, there's people, a lot of people try to write checks instead of obey God. Hmm? The Lord dealt with them. You go there. You participate in that. And then, well, I, you know, I'm too busy. I, I'll just send a big offering. Is, it, is that okay with God? You see, fine, I, you know, you sent me the money, that's just as good. No, to obey is better than sacrifice. To hearken and listen, he said, is better than the fat of many rams. There's no way you can write enough checks to straighten up disobedience. Did you hear me? And especially people, and, and I'm, I'm, the reason I'm saying this, this applies to you, wealthy people. This applies to you. Wealthy people especially, as they are getting more affluent and they have more money and they have more ability, they feel more independent. And they just try to pay for stuff and buy their way out of stuff instead of being involved. Yeah, and they're not at church. They don't come to church. Once in a, you know, blue moon. 
and they can write a big check to the pastor and he's just happy that they came ever. But that don't mean God's okay. If the Lord says go, there's only one thing that'll fix that. <laughs> you sending somebody else ain't going to cut it. You sending a million dollars ain't going to cut it. If he says go, there's only one thing that can satisfy you. Go. Can you say amen? amen? He said, if you will obey, if you will serve him, you'll spend your days in prosperity. You'll spend your years in play. Spend your days in prosperity. Is that really the word of God? There it is. Amen. Go with me, if you would, to Genesis, please. While you're turning over there, say it pays to obey. Say it cost to disobey. But it pays to obey. Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26. This is the account of uh, Isaac, son of Abraham, and about how now he is following the leading of the Lord as Abraham taught him. And in Genesis 26, the first verse says, There was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him, and he said, Go not down to Egypt, dwell in the land which I will tell you of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you, for to you and your seed I'll give all these countries, and I'll perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. I'll make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. I'll give to your seed all these countries. In your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and he kept my charge. And my commandments and my statutes and my laws. Do you know that people are blessed today because their grandparents obeyed? Did you know that? Did you know one of the best favors you ever did your kids and grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren, if the Lord tears is coming, that you'll never see in this life is by you obeying God? Because when you obey Him, the Lord feels a commitment to your seed. He will... Man, this is wonderful. He will spare them. He'll protect them. Did you hear me? He will do things for them that would not have happened except that you obeyed. How many know God is faithful? He never forgets people who stick with Him and stay with Him and obey Him. Man, this is good. Aren't you glad? Thank God for the obedience of your forefathers and set up your kids. Amen. Obey God. But now notice, we read past this real quickly. Isaac has some stuff. He's inherited his father's wealth. You know how that's how it's supposed to be? A good man, the Bible said, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You a good man? Good woman? That's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to have so much money that the next two generations are saying, Thank you, Papa. <laughs> Thank you, Grandma. Huh? 
And the Lord, there's a famine on in the country. That means crops are failing. There's, there's a drought. People have planted seed and just wasted it. There's nothing happening. I mean, the economy is bad. Everything is bad. Well, in the natural, you think, get out of here. Right? Before you go belly up with everybody else. And that's what he was thinking. And he's loading up everything. And he's getting ready to go to Egypt, which was the world system. Hmm? And the Lord said, now you listen to me, Isaac. You stay where I tell you to stay. And do what I tell you to do, and I'm going to bless you. He thought, okay. He said, you stay right here. I bet he thought, you've got to be kidding. (laughs) Right here? Nine businesses failed last week here. Nobody's got a crop coming up. And that wasn't the end of it. Then the Lord says, so. Here? So, oh man, can you see why so many people don't get blessed? Most people would not have done this. They would have bailed, they would have left, must less put good seed into a seeming hole. But I thank God and He knew about the God of Abraham and he knew about the principles of faith and he knew how to hear from God. And I'm sure all of his people that worked under him and his employees are shaking their head while they're out there putting that seed in that parched ground thinking he's lost his marbles. There ain't no way this seed will ever produce. He might as well just pitched it out there in the ditch. But keep on reading down in verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Everybody say in that land. land. What land was that? The land God told him to stay in and told him to sow in even though it looked ridiculous to do it. And he received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great. And he went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks uh, and possession of herds. uh, Not a herd or two. Herds. uh, And a great store of servants. uh, And the Philistines said, praise God. Isaac, we're so glad for you, buddy. (laughs) Tell us how you did it. They envied him. They went around and stopped up his wells. Tried to hurt him. You want this hundredfold, don't you? Yeah, you do. And yeah, I do. It comes with persecutions. That's all right. There's grace to deal with it. Amen. And somebody's got to be in a position to support the gospel. Somebody's got to be in a position to do some things. It's going to be me. It's going to be you. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Lord. He stayed where the Lord told him to stay. And he sowed where the Lord told him to sow. There's no doubt in my mind that Phyllis and I would not be blessed like we are today if we hadn't obeyed the Lord and left our home. And left our families 
Did you hear me? And left our, our little piece of land. I, I left my dog. I liked my dog. He was a Doberman. He was a big rascal. He was 125 pounds or so. I mean, when he barked, there's none of this tinny yip, yip stuff. I mean, when he barked, the window rattled. It's my dog, rode in the back of my truck, caught my frisbee. I left him. Lord said, leave. I left my hot rod. I liked my hot rod. 37 Ford Coupe. Candy apple red. 400 cubic inch Chevy engine with it. Roller rockers. And holly carbs. And headers. And Amen. Chrome dash. Left it sitting in the yard. Just let it sit there. Eventually sold it for parts. Why? Lord said, walk. Walk away. Amen. Amen. Left stuff, left family, left friends. Loaded up our little truck, looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. (laughs) We felt like Abraham. We we did not know where we were going. Barely had a clue of where it was at. Got out there and, I mean, all kind of thoughts and feelings come on. You didn't know anybody and didn't have any money and. But we were obeying God. And he blessed us and blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. I had people come, though. Two or three people come when we were making that decision and try to talk me out of it. And some of the reasoning I didn't have an answer for. One of them said, you know, Brother Keith said, uh, why are you going out there? I said, well... I don't really know why. I just feel like I'm supposed to. They said, well, isn't the Holy Spirit your teacher? I said, yeah. They said, isn't he right here too? I said, yeah. Can't he teach you here? I said, I guess he could. Why you got to go out there? I said, I don't know. Others said, well, we need you here. We need you to stay and work in the church. We don't have an abundance of people, uh, especially young men coming up that, that love God and want to serve God. We need you right here. Why can't you stay and serve God right here? Can you answer that question? Hmm? If the Lord says, go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, then there ain't no other city you will ever prosper in like Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, if he'd have told me to stay and I'd have gone to Tulsa, I couldn't have prospered in Tulsa like I would have prospered in Laurel Hill. Are you with me? Oh, he blessed us and prospered. And not just with money and stuff. Let me tell you what prosperity is. is seeing people healed from a brain tumor. That's prosperity. Seeing somebody get saved that would have spent eternity in hell. That's prosperity. Seeing marriages put back together. That's prosperity. And being able to enjoy it. Hallelujah. Do things for people. Well, just several months ago, he dealt with us. Branson is the place you ought to be. (laughs) So we loaded up the truck. (laughs) 
I, uh, I had my own airplane hangar at the, I don't know if you know much about that, but that's, that's a pretty nifty thing. Most places you cannot even have one. I, our own, paid for, with an office in it, with a big window. I could sit up there and prop up my feet and look at my airplane. Just pray in tongues. I'd ride my motorcycle over there. Pull up on my floor. It shine like new money. I liked my, my hanger. I had a lot of stuff there. I had my nest. You know what I'm talking about? I had my nest lined and fixed like I liked it. And nice house. Phyllis believed for this house for 20 years. And the Lord put us in it. Now, we liked our house. Come up here and got in a little bitty place. <laughs> but I tell you what, we're happy. And it's the will of God. And for us right now, there's no other spot in the whole earth where Keith and Phyllis Moore would prosper like Branson, Missouri. Amen. If you will be willing and what? Obedient, you will eat the good of the land. What is the thing? You've got to be where you're supposed to be. Hooked up with what you're supposed to hooked up with. Doing what you're supposed to be doing. Only there will you prosper like you're supposed to. Can you see why so many people have not? They've been disobedient. I know people. I could count people off and call names, which I won't. But people that told me at different times of life, the Lord told me to do this. Ten years later, they ain't done it. In healing school one time, there was a couple there. There was a man there who was facing terminal cancer. He told me. I kept praying with him, and I just kept coming up against something in my spirit. I knew it wasn't right with him. And I, finally, I set him down. I said, Brother, I said, something is not right here. You and I are going to have to talk. I said, what is this? What about the plan of God with your life? He ducked his head. He started crying like a baby. He said, God called me to be a missionary to a certain country over in the east uh, 25 years ago. And I said, you never went? He said, mm-mm. I said, do you know you were supposed to go? He said, I know I was supposed to go. I said, why didn't you go? He started crying again. He said, well, I got married. And I told my wife I'm supposed to go. And she said, I'm not going. If, uh, if you go, you leave me. So it's either me or that. And he said, I just didn't think I could stand to lose her. And so I've stayed. And he said, she's been sick. And I've been sick all these 25 years. And we've had problems. And we've had money trouble. Did God make them sick? No, he didn't make them sick. Did God give them all this? No, they're out of the will of God. Can you prosper out of the will of God like you're in the will of God? No, you can't. No, you can't. 
I know people, you know, they told me, well, the Lord told me to go to Bible school, and he told me to prepare, and then he'd tell me the rest of what I'm supposed to do, and here it is 15 years later, and they're still sitting right where they were. And they've had tragedy, and they've had problems. It costs to disobey God, doesn't it? I know a, a lady minister. She tells the testimony, as a young woman, she's married, she had a call on her life. But in her particular group, they didn't acknowledge women ministers. And besides that, she didn't want to have to deal with the persecution and all the junk that went with it. And she wanted a normal life. She wanted to marry and have kids. And so she tried to do it. She got married and, and she had a, had a baby or two. And she tried to think, think everything was going good. Finally, I mean, she had so much problems in her life. And she's at death's door as a young woman. Doctors telling her she might not live out tonight. She called her husband in. She called her kids in. She said, I got to obey God or I'm going to die right here. God's not doing that to her. But when you're in disobedience, you're over on the enemy's territory. Right? And she said, I'm on, Lord, if you get me up off this bed, I'm going to preach. I don't care who don't like it. I don't care what. If you'll get me up from here, I will obey you. And I tell you what, had the most wonderful life. I'm telling you, her husband just supported her like gangbusters. And people did accept her and built churches. And amen, had wonderful kids and were successful. See, the devil's such a liar. He tells you, if you obey God, it's going to be terrible. No, if you don't obey God, it's going to be terrible. The blessing is in the will of God. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. The blessing is in the will of God. Go to Luke 5 real quickly. I need to tie this up and do something else. Luke 5. You know, we were 1982. I went on a mission trip with some friends of mine and fellow ministers to... Uh, Guatemala, and uh, we built a church down there and had some tent meetings and did some outreaches and some things. There was, though, in the middle of our trip, a military coup, and it was a mess down there. Half the folk jumped over the wall at the uh, principal city, the capital city, and started shooting back at the folk on the other side, and tanks came and surrounded the place. We had people out in the street handing out tracks. And uh, I'm telling you, they all, you know, we tried to round everybody up, and we got back to the compound, the missionary compound. And there were people, you know, I, I, you know, living in, in the States, we don't understand some of these things, how thankful we are to be. We don't have this kind of stuff. I kept hearing this popping, and it sounded like firecrackers. I thought, well, that's firecrackers. And it was machine gun fire. And it was like, you know, 50 yards from where I was at. That's, that gives you a funny feeling. When you've grown up with peace, you don't know what that's like. And fear was in the streets. You could feel it. I mean, it was tangible. Panic. Uh, mothers grabbing their babies and running for their lives. And people just running and screaming. And it was panic everywhere. And we got in there inside the compound. And the leader came and led us in some prayer. And we knelt down. He said something I've never forgotten. 
He said, uh, you're safer here in the will of God than you would be anywhere in the States out of the will of God. And we knew we were supposed to be there. We knew the Lord sent us there. And I'm telling you what, there was a peace that passes understanding came on us while we prayed and we heard the noise and we heard the junk and the gunfire but inside I can honestly say we were just calm we just thought God you're bigger than this we believed and you know it was only uh, within like two days a Christian president got in and that thing was in better shape than it was ever in And we came home without a scratch and no problems. But I just wanted to tell you that phrase. You're safer in the will of God. I don't care where you are in the world or what's going on around you. In in the will of God, you're safer. You could be here in the States and think you're safe and be out of the will of God and get hit by a bus or some stupid thing. Right? Slip on a banana peel. Out of the will of God. But in the will of God, you're kept. Luke 5. Luke, the fifth chapter. The people came to hear the word of God. And there were two ships standing by the lake. And uh, Jesus asked Simon if he would let him use his ship to preach out of. And verse 4, after he had preached, he told him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. They've already put up all their gear. They're tired. They've worked all night. It's time for them to go home and get some rest. And this preacher, he's not, he's not a fisherman. This preacher says, get out all your gear, load up your boat, take all your people, go back out for a catch. And they know they've already fished all night. The fish ain't there. Now we're talking about prosperity. Did Peter just get through sowing? He sowed his boat, didn't he? And the use of his equipment and his time and his stuff to Jesus' ministry. Is Jesus a moocher? What does the Lord immediately think? He didn't just say, Peter, bless you, buddy. God won't forget this. There ain't no reward right now. But later on, you'll be blessed. Mm-mm. Right immediately, he gets through with the service. And he says, all right, get your stuff. Let's go. Peter says, well, Master, you know, we have tried this all night long. He said, uh, just do what I say now. Get your stuff. Let's go. He said, all right. It's your word. Just because you say so, I will go. And he did, and they cast the net, and they had so many fish, the nets couldn't hold them, and the boats couldn't hold them, because they what? They obeyed, and they did what he took. So many people have sown and sown and sown, but then the Lord deals with them, all right, now you start this business. Ah, oh, I don't know. I just feel safer just staying here working for this man. Go ahead and open up another branch. Invest in this thing. And see, so many people never realize their harvest because they didn't have enough faith to obey. There's more to prosperity than just sowing. You've got to have faith when it's time to reap. And we'll talk some more about that perhaps tomorrow night. But go with me now over to the book of uh, 
Deuteronomy, 8th chapter. And I'll endeavor to tie this up for you here. Deuteronomy 8. Here's the second part of this. If you want to prosper, you have to be obedient. You also have to be diligent. Everybody say diligent. In Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter. Deuteronomy 8 and verse... 18. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore unto your fathers as it is this day. God does what? He gives you the power to get the wealth. What if you don't do any getting when there's nothing to bless? If you want to be blessed, you've got to be a getter, a go-getter. Amen? Amen? I say, well, you know, it's like the Lord helps those that help themselves. Well, that's not exactly a scripture. The Lord helps those who obey Him. And the Lord helps those who are diligent. Amen. Diligent. Let me just, let's just read some scriptures. You got time? Go to the book of Proverbs. Go to the book of Proverbs and the sixth chapter. I'm just going to read scripture after scripture for a few minutes here. There's no better way to say it. Proverbs 6. Everybody say diligent. Diligent. He gives us power to get wealth. Are you a getter? You a go-getter? Proverbs 6, verse 6. He said, go to the ant, you sluggard. (laughs) Are ants go-getters? You better believe it. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Ants, get after it. Verse 9. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you rise out of your sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands to sleep, and poverty will come on you. Hmm? And want will come on you like a robber. If the Bible says you do this and prosperity will come on you, it's a fact. If the Bible says you do this and poverty will come on you, it's a fact. Hmm? Can you lay around and sleep all the time? Miss all your appointments and still prosper like you should? No, you can't. You know, Phyllis used to hire uh, ladies that worked under her in uh, doctor's offices. And one time she was interviewing this young lady and uh, she asked her, you know, find out she got let go from her former job. She said, well, why is that? She said, well, I was late some, a time or two. And uh, she said, well, how much? Well, you know, not that much. And so she calls her former employer. Was she late? Was she late? He said, well, what time? How long? Was she supposed to be there about eight, get there about noon? One, 
So she talked to her the next time and said, what, what's the deal with this? And she said, well, started crying. You pray for me. I got a spirit of slumber. <laughs> and I just can't get out of bed. And I want you to pray for me and cast this devil of slumber, this slumber devil, out of me. Yeah, Phyllis didn't try to cast anything out of her. I've had people you know, come to me, want me to lay hands on them and pray for them. Uh, some of the same thing. I got, I, I got a spirit of, of slumber and, and I can't wake up. And, and I just asked them, I said, well, just, just slow down, stop, stop. Because they wasn't at church and they wasn't at church. And then I said, uh, let's just stop right here. Now, do you want to come to church? Oh, yeah, Brother Keith, I want to come so bad, but I just oversleep and I wake up and it's already past time to be there. And I, I said, what time did you go to bed Saturday night? Looked at me like I slapped him with a wet dish towel. They said, well, well, well. I said, I want to know what time. What time did you go to bed? Well, I guess it was about 3 o'clock. I said, sitting up watching TV. Uh-huh. I said, before I pray, let's just try this out. I said, next Saturday night, you turn in about 8.30. You go ahead and retire and pray before you go to bed and say, Lord, help me get up in the morning in time to go to and see how you come out before we get into a lot of extended prayer here. (laughs) Foolish. Everybody say foolish. Any of us could lay up and sleep. Any of us. You, me, any of us could just hang in the house and go, well, you know, I don't feel like going over there to that factory today. I just don't. And those people, I'm tired of fooling with them. And that supervisor's always on my case. And I just, you know. And you got some folk just think, well, I'm going to lay on the couch and make confessions. And uh, the Lord's going to prosper me. No, you cannot ignore whole volumes of Scripture. Right? <laughs> And be blessed. Let's keep reading. The reason I say volumes because it's here. Go to the 10th chapter. 10th chapter. And the 4th verse. 10.4. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. See, we talked about that last night about stewardship. About just always flying by the seat of your pants. Don't know how much you owe. Don't know what's going on. You got not a clue how much interest you're paying or principal or You know, just slack. The Bible said you deal with a slack hand, what's going to happen to you? You will become poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Makes rich. Let me just read some to you. You don't have to turn to all these. 13.4 says, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs 22 says, See a man diligent in his business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before mean, that means unknown, undistinguished men. You're diligent in your business? The Lord says you'll come up to the top of your field. You'll work for the top people. Amen? Amen? You know, 
Brother Dino, you mind if I say something about you? It's about too late now, isn't it? <laughs> Anybody know Dino and Cheryl Cartanakis? Yeah. Dino is, a, is an amazing pianist, isn't he? Yeah. You heard him play? Yeah. Uh, wonderful, accomplished pianist. And I mean, you've been playing since when, Dino? Three years old, he started playing. And after all these years of playing and playing and playing, I happen to know they've been getting ready for their, their next wonderful production that's about to start. And he stay home and practice and play all day. And play, man's been playing for years and years and years. This is three years old, but he has not got to the place where he says, I can play now, I got it. And he's played for some of the top people, and he's known around the world. He is not standing before indistinguished or unknown people. Why? Diligent. He's been diligent to play. That's where his grace is and his ability is. And so he plays. And I'm telling you, I mean, he just, right now in his life, play for hour after hour after hour, getting it right, getting it right, getting it right. Well, does the Lord require less of you than he does of Dino? No. I mean, I've been preaching for over 20 years. And I have preached, some, some weeks I've preached 25 times. I have studied. I mean, there's times I've looked, you know, uh, scriptures and scriptures and study and look up words and pray. And I've some of these things I'm teaching you tonight, I've been teaching for 10 years. But today I spent all, I, I probably spent four hours just looking at scriptures, looking at scriptures, looking at scriptures. Why? I know them, I've heard them, but I don't know a fraction of what there is to know about them. And I need to be reminded of them and I need to be sharp on them. Amen. Well, that's my area. I can't say, well, I've preached a bunch and now I'm just going to kick back and, and, and relax. Well, then I'm going to start sliding back. I, I'll lose my edge. I'll lose my anointing. I'll lose, right? Does God require any less of you? If you fix transmissions and if that is your job and that is your place, you can believe God for wisdom. Amen and grace and you can work on it until you are flat the best transmission man anywhere. You can believe God for equipment and you can have a transmission out while somebody else is thinking about it. And you can have it fixed as good as it can be fixed while other people are trying to get their parts together. You can be together. You can get a system. You can have wisdom. You can be diligent and it is through some of that that your prosperity is going to come. Can you say amen? amen? Cannot be a slacker. You cannot be lazy. You cannot drag around. You got to be a go-getter. Amen. Amen? amen. Everybody say diligent. 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 Let me read some more to you. Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen and twenty says, "Hard work brings prosperity. Playing around brings poverty." That's the Living Bible. He who works will have abundant food. He who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Did you hear that? That's the NIV, Proverbs 28, 19. He who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. 
Proverbs 20, verse 13. Do not love sleep or you'll grow poor. Stay awake and you'll have food to spare. Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who's hasty surely to poverty. He who loves pleasure, that's all you want to do is play, will be a poor man. Don't be heavy drinkers of wine and gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. If the Bible says that will happen to you, then can you count on it? There's only one way to fix it. Stir up. Be diligent. Go to Proverbs 24. I'm commencing to get ready to start to close. Proverbs 24 and verse 30. (laughs) 24, 30. He said, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. He's got a clue what's going on. It was all grown over with thorns. How many of you won't see Faith Life Church grown over with thorns? Hmm? Aren't you thankful for all these people who have done all this work? I, I haven't done all this yard work. It's been members and, and, and our staff and our help. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful for this? How many think if God give you something nice, you ought to keep it nice. And you ought to improve it. You don't let it go and go and go. It needs to be painted and you don't paint it and you let stuff rust up and you let it grow up. It's, it's dishonoring to God. It's acting like you're not thankful. And I'm telling you, this is a key to prosperity. Don't think you're believing for something better and you're not taking care of what you got. Amen. You're contradicting your faith. Amen. I, you don't, don't say, well, I'm believing for a new car. Yeah, thank you for my new car. And you get in yours and, and you never wash it and you never clean it up and you never try to take care of it. And you kick the fender and go, this old junker, I'm so sick of this thing. I'm believing for a new car. Well, you're not a good steward with what you have. Right. You don't know how to take care of stuff. Hmm? No, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a 72 Vega with Bondo and every fender and a leaky transmission and an AC that don't work. You clean it up and get it as looking as good as you can. Amen. And you fix it up. And How many know there's no excuse? Old doesn't have to mean nasty. Right? No reason for something to be nasty because it's old. That's just sluggardness, laziness, laxness, not being a good steward, not appreciate. I'm getting the medal in now. Okay. (laughs) It was all grown over with thorns and nettles covered the face and the stone wall was broken down. And I looked and considered it well and I looked upon it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep and your poverty will come on you. Come like one that traveleth, and your want like an armed man. It'll come on you like a robber. Poverty and lack. I had the privilege of working with Dr. Kenneth Hagin for 20 years. And uh, had a lot of opportunity to be with him privately. And sitting back in the speaker's room, uh, he used to tell me stories sometimes. And, you know, he's a great storyteller. And just like you see him on the platform, that's exactly how he is anywhere else. He's the same. 
And he, I'll be honest with you, some of the stories he told me, I left shaking my head thinking, now why'd he tell me that? (laughs) I just did not. And sometimes it was years before it clicked with me. I want to tell you one he told me. He told me about during the Depression that there was a man, a real wealthy man in the community. Most everybody, if they had a need, they went to him and borrowed money. And most everybody had borrowed money on their place and for their crop and for their seed. And the, uh, the, even the church for their building and their land had borrowed money from this man. And hard times came. And there was a drought. People didn't make crops. And it happened year after year. And people were barely paying some interest, not paying the principal, but paying a little bit of interest, and then people got to where they couldn't pay it. And finally, you know, it got to the place where he began to repossess these properties. And uh, one of the, uh, the church guys, uh, one of the people that pastor the church, leader of the church, he came to him and he said, uh, I'm going to have to repossess this church. And and the man said, you're kidding. You're not going to repossess our church. He said, yeah. He said, what would you do with it? He said, I'll make a barn out of it if I need to. This is the story Brother Hagin's telling me. (laughs) And he said, and there was another man. Didn't make a crop. I mean, he was at the point two years ago where it was hopeless. And every morning, he'd get up, and he'd fix fence. And he'd clean the ditch rows. And he'd work on the roof. And the the soil was just dust. I mean, there was nothing. He lost it a year and a half ago. And other people go by shaking their head, go, you know, give it up. He said, uh-uh. No. He'd get up and go out (laughs) and work on the land and... And fix it up. One day that man came by there. Handed him an envelope. It was the title. To his land. And that was the end of the story. I'd leave. (laughs) And I thought. Hmm. Okay. Did you get it? Do you understand? What What he's saying to me. The Lord's like that. The Lord is like that. Is you remember the the parable and uh, the story of the talents, and how the man that had the one that hid his, and the Lord took it away from him, gave it to the man that had ten, and people say, "Well, Lord, he's already got ten. Yeah, I know." And the Bible says, "Behold, the goodness and the severity of the Lord." He said, "I knew you were an austere man." Is God like that? Yes. Yeah. You don't with God. You don't just throw up your hands and go. Well, I tried, and there's nothing else I can do. I'm just going to quit. And the Lord said, "Oh, bless your heart, honey. I'm going to bless you anyway." No, He will not. Because no matter how bad it is, you never have to give up. Amen. Hmm. I said, no matter how bad it is, you never have to throw up your hands and say, well, no, as long as there's breath, there's hope. And as long as God's on the throne, He honors faith. He hears prayers. Don't give up. Don't quit. I don't know at the times in our ministry. 
that we've been back up against the wall and it looks like you are done, buddy. There ain't no way you're coming out of this, but I've learned I won't even hear it. Somebody try to tell me it. I'll get aggravated at them. Shush. I don't want to hear it. Let me tell you what's happening. The money is coming in and we're going to do this and we're going to pay this. We're going to finish this project. Amen. And stand. Sometimes stand when it looks like there's no reason to keep standing. But I've seen him come through again and again and again. Amen. Having done all to stand. Stand. How long do you stand? You stand till you see it. You stand till it comes to pass in your life. Even when it looks like all hope is gone. Isn't that what Abraham did? I mean, it seemed like he's 99 years old. His wife is 90 years old. And she couldn't have a baby. She couldn't conceive when she was 20. Well, you think about them going to the clinic. 99 years old. She's 90 years old. What are y'all doing? Well, we just want to come in and have a checkup. We're going to have a baby. Don't you think they'd have tried to took them over to the side and said, Now, honey, you've already been through the change of life. You know, sir, you're 99 years old. I'm sorry, but they wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't believe it. And though all hope was going against hope, they hoped on. They expected against all hope, and they stood. And at 99 years old... A hundred years old, Isaac was born, and 91-year-old Sarah bouncing a baby on her knee and named him Laughter. She said, you got to laugh with me about this. Everybody say obedience and diligence. Obedience and diligence. Obedience and diligence. Will make me rich. You believe it? Stand on your feet. Oh, praise God. Oh, the Lord is so good. I'm excited about what's happening inside hearts. You know, some of the greatest miracles don't happen where you can see them. They happen deep in the hearts of people. And uh, sometimes you didn't. You might not have thought. Anything happened, but something happened deep in the heart of somebody that set them on a different course of life. And a year from then, they're at a different place. Ten years from then, a totally different life than they would have had because hearing the Word and doing the Word put them on a different course. Caused them to live a different life. I want you to uh, pray with me right now for just a minute. If you've made mistakes and you haven't obeyed God like you should, then it has already cost you in life. And all of us have missed it in some of these ways. But don't look back, and it's not too late. God can restore the years that the locust stayed up and the blessings that the canker worms got and things that the enemy was able to do and destroy because of disobedience. And God can do a lot in just a, a year or two or three if you'll just absolutely sell out to him and say, I don't care what anybody thinks or what anybody says. I'm going to obey God completely. I'll go anywhere he says go. I'll do whatever he says do. I'll do it. 
you fully commit and you'll get into the full blessing. Say it out loud. Close your eyes. Say it out loud. Father God, thank you so much being so gracious to me and all mine. You've blessed us, been so kind, so favorable, so gracious, so good to us. Thank you. Open my eyes. Help me to see and understand any place where I've not obeyed you in following your plan for my life. Open my ears to hear and my heart to understand. I will repent. And Lord, show me what is your perfect will for me. For now and tomorrow, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? Who am I to be hooked up with? What am I to support? How am I to use the resources and talents you've given me? Show me. And I purpose. I will do it. If it's the farthest end of the earth, if it's staying here, or at my home, or going to the other side of the earth, I will obey you, I will do what you say do, I will give what you say give, in Jesus' name, amen. Now Lord, you know the hearts of your people, let your grace and strength to do just that come into us tonight. Lord, lay, oh, it's happening right now. Let your wisdom, let your ability, let your anointing, let your strength come into the strength of the spirits, Lord, by your spirit in the inner man that faith may rise up to do the fullness of the will of God for our life. Oh, hallelujah. Just praise him just a little bit. Take just a moment. And thank Him that He who has begun a good work in you will perform it, will complete it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Lord. Tell you what, I believe that some wisdom will come up. Amen. As you go to work tomorrow or as you go to work after you leave from the meeting. And you're going to see how to do twice as much in half the time on some things. Amen. You're going to get some wisdom. You're going to get, and you're going to be diligent. And it's not about just working harder. It's about being proficient. Amen. You actually can get more accomplished sometimes moving slower and yet moving more surely. Moving with greater purpose and direction. Amen. We're prospering. We're increasing more and more more and more us and all our children you're dismissed as we say this ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of more life ministries and faith life church if you would like to help send this word to others at no charge you can become a word sender today for more information visit our website at morelife.org